This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I am Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer are that the challenges we face in Holland will make us better people. It has been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a typical teenager. We have debated for years if we should tell Maria and Christina who really brings their Christmas gifts. The girls have a friend that we will call Sarah who they have been in school with on and off since kindergarten. Sarah has not always been very pleasant. As one teacher said, sometimes the horns just come out. (laughs) I was with the girls in middle school when Sarah told them that Santa was not real. We were all on a field trip together. I told Sarah that Santa may not come to her house, but he still comes to ours. I could tell that my rebuttal to Sarah's comment had affirmed Maria and Christina's belief in Santa Claus. They were not surprised that Santa didn't go to Sarah's house. After all, she just wasn't always well-behaved. Well, Christina and Sarah are in the same transition program this year. Sarah once again told Christina that Santa is not real. Christina asked me if Santa was real. I asked her, what do you think? She then proceeded to tell me why Santa was real. We were decorating the tree for Christmas when we decided the time was right to tell the girls. We explained the following, who brought the gifts... Our excitement about Christmas because it is Jesus' birthday. St. Nicholas was a real person who gave gifts, and parents have continued the tradition to make Christmas more exciting for children. On Monday, when Sarah said, There is no Santa Claus, Christina said, So be it. Sarah was speechless. Apparently, Sarah didn't know what that meant. Today, we have a great show. We have Dr. Andrew Morgan, the founder of the Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities, working side-by-side with peer mentors, children their age without disabilities. They create outstanding performances featuring professional equipment, fantastic costumes, and the extraordinary talent of the actors and actresses. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please stay with us. We will be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. 
That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you listen to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Today we have Dr. Andrew Morgan, the founder of the Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. Dr. Morgan, also called Dr. Andy, is the founder and director of the Penguin Project. He is Professor Emeritus of Clinical Pediatrics and the former head of the Division of Child Development in the University of Illinois College of Medicine at Peoria. He has been the primary medical specialist in central Illinois involved in the diagnosis and treatment of children with disabilities for over 35 years. Hi, Dr. Andy. Hello. Can you tell people how did you get involved in the field of helping children with developmental disabilities? And then how did that evolve into the Penguin Project? Can you tell um, them a little bit about yourself and your family and give them just a feel of who you are? Okay. Um, I am a developmental pediatrician. Uh, that's a specialist who works exclusively with children with developmental disabilities. I got into this field because I have several cousins who have since passed with developmental disabilities, and I saw how it impacted our entire family. I was interested in neurology but wanted to work with children with special needs, and that's what prompted my interest in this field. And I went into the field knowing exactly what I was going to do. Uh, I wanted to be a pediatrician since I was nine years old, and I kept that all the way through uh, my uh, educational career, Uh, went through medical school at Hopkins in Baltimore and then did a fellowship there in developmental disabilities and went to work at the University of Illinois College of Medicine, Peoria, expecting that that would be a stepping stone for me academically when, in fact, we settled here and have been there ever since. We've been here now for 38 years. We found it to be a wonderful place to raise our children. When I was younger, I started getting involved in in music and then... uh, in theater. I actually started out as a folk singer because that's what was going on back those days in the 60s. And then in my high school, I was in the high school play and I was hooked. Right. I did, I did, I did theater all through college and actually even in medical school, I was Conrad Birdie and, and Bye Bye Birdie wow. in a community theater in the area. Uh, when we moved to Peoria, I continued to be involved and my family got involved. My wife, who was actually a uh, trained classic ballerina, became involved as a dancer, and then as our children came along, each of them became involved in theater along the way. Um, That's really what prompted my interest in the program, because I saw what it did for my children in terms of their social skills, their self-esteem, and realized that these were the same qualities that were missing in many of my patients that I was seeing in my clinics. At that point in time, I decided that theater would be a great venue to use to enhance the skills of children with special needs, and that's how the Penguin Project came to be. Now, can you explain how you came up with the name The Penguin Project? Penguin Project is called that because penguins are actually disabled birds. They are birds, but they can't fly. Even though they can't fly, they're able to negotiate their environment uh, with great uh, ability. They swim and they toboggan and get along fine and work together to create a cooperative environment. It seemed that that was a perfect figurehead for our program, and that's remained the figurehead since we started. Well, I think that's a wonderful um, idea. 
And I think it's neat that you came up with the Penguin Project before all the Penguin movies came out. This is actually the interesting thing about this is I've been interested in Penguin since I was a child uh, after I read a book. And that book uh, is Mr. Popper's Penguins, and since has become a movie, not exactly the same as the book, but that's what spurred my interest in penguins, and I've been interested in penguins ever since I was a young child. It seemed to be the perfect figurehead when we created this program. Yes, and you started the Penguin Project in 2004? Yes. Okay. Now, we also have Nora Payne here, and Nora has started a program locally called the New Tampa Players. Nora, can you introduce, explain to the audience how you got involved? Yes. Um, so we m- moved to Tampa in 2008. And um, in college, I stage managed and I, te- I did technical direction in college. And I was looking for a community theater to get involved in. And I emailed all the local community theaters. And Doug Wall, who actually founded New Tampa Players, um, he emailed me back and asked me to be his stage manager for a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. So that was the first show I did with New Tampa Players. And I've done near basically every single show since. Um, I became president in 2017 when um, Doug was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. He since died. He died about a year ago, um, and I'm president now. Um, so back in June of 2018, I went to a theater conference in Venice, Florida, mm-hmm. um, at the Venice Community Theater. And a lot of their um, different executive directors from around the country are replication sites for the Penguin Project. And they were talking about the Penguin Project. And for years, I've looked for ways that my special needs children can get involved in theater. And when I heard about the Penguin Project, I was like, well, this is a perfect fit. So I emailed Dr. Dr. Morgan immediately. Wow. Now tell the audience about your children and a little bit about your educational background. Sure. Um, I have four children right now. They are 14, 12, 10, and 7. Um, three of them do have special needs. Um, we have one that's on the spectrum. We also have three of them that are dyslexic, dysgraphic, and have dyscalculia. So I homeschool all four of them. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I have a master's degree in education in Montessori education from um, Loyola College of Maryland in Baltimore. Yes. Now, your program's just starting. Yes. We and- are about five rehearsals in. Okay. Well, it's great because I was speaking to um, Phil Scothman, Julie Reyes. Everyone says, you've got to have her on the show. They've got this amazing program. And my children have benefited so much from drama therapy. I just think it's awesome that this program is there. And um, <laughs> Dr. Andy, you, you've got to feel great when you know you have to have a map so that you can see all the charters that you've started with your Penguin Project. It's interesting, when we started, we had no concept that this would go anywhere. We wanted to do something locally. Uh, my wife and I, we have, as I said, we have three children and six grandchildren. All of our children are involved in theater. At least three of our grandchildren are involved in theater. Um, and so we figured this would be a local program. And, and after a year or so, the parents came to me and said, you know, this is really a shame that only the children here in Peoria get to take advantage of this. Why don't you take it on the road? And so we created a foundation and developed a replication process, and slowly but surely this has grown and expanded. We now have 29 chapters in 15 states around the country, and we're always looking to expand and include new programs. We've developed this replication process that's pretty straightforward and comprehensive to make it easy for a site that wants to become a Penguin Project to do just that. As part of the process, my wife and I, one of us will come out to the site 
about six times over the course of the four-month rehearsal period to help develop the infrastructure and make certain that the relationships are developing as expected. And I will tell you that there's never been an issue with any of the programs we've developed. Each one of them has experienced the same magic that we experienced when we developed the program initially, seeing how these children came together, how the parents and children interacted with each other, and how the parents interacted with each other. Uh, One thing we never realized when we started this was how isolated the families are. We knew the children had limited friendships and were somewhat socially isolated, but I don't think I ever realized, even though I've been in the field for decades, how isolated the families were. This has become an extended family everywhere we've gone, and the families have rallied around each other, they've developed social networks, and it's become a very important part of the program. This social networking is something that's been missing in many of these kids' and families' lives, and it's so great to see that this has now expanded to help them develop these social networks. Yes, well, you have a wonderful um, page on your website about goals and impacts as far as the Penguin Project. Can you explain some of that to the audience? Well, we, we've, we, we've set up a system where we do surveys uh, after the program to get a sense of, of, of the changes that parents have seen in their kids and the kids have seen in themselves. And not surprisingly, what we've documented is that over 90% of the children and their families have seen changes in communication skills, self-esteem, the ability to get in front of a crowd, their ability to communicate effectively, and also their overall attitude about individuals with special needs. Uh, learning about them, recognizing the, the abilities of children with disabilities has been a major part of, of what we've done and the impact that we've seen in the program. Yes, well, it's amazing. Each thing that any child accomplishes, especially, especially a child with special needs, you can see their self-esteem grow and their confidence and their ability to advocate for themselves. We've seen that in the, ch- in the children with special needs, but interestingly also in the mentors. The mentors have also grown, and, and really I think that, that without the mentors, this program would not be the same. And the mentors, for those that, that are listening that don't know, the mentors are typically developing children who have volunteered to work side-by-side with these children with special needs. They're paired one-on-one and work together as a team. Uh, And the process lasts about four months, so it is a significant commitment, and I'm amazed at how these kids have, have reacted to that commitment. One of my favorite quotes is a quote that came from a young mentor in another program at DeKalb, Illinois, uh, they were doing a, a video uh, session where they would kind of go around the room and everybody would say something. And this little girl, who was about 10 or 12, said, I knew when I heard about this Penguin Project that people's lives were going to be changed. I didn't know that that life would be mine. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing to hear somebody say that, let alone a young person who is 10, 12 years old. Uh, I think that this is, this is typical for what we see happening. Many of our mentors have gone on to, to develop careers related to special needs. They've gone into special education. They've gone into therapy. Uh, several have actually gone on to, to medical school and are interested in developmental disabilities. So we've seen this impact grow uh, year after year in many different ways. Wow. Well, why don't we take a break there? 
And we'll continue this conversation on the other side. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. We are here with Dr. Andy Morgan, the founder of The Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Dr. Andy Morgan, the founder of the Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities. Now, Dr. Andy, when I was looking through your website, I have always heard about crowdfunding, but I have never talked to an organization that had actually used crowdfunding. And you're a nonprofit, and we have lots of nonprofits out there, especially when it comes to working with children with um, developmental disabilities. Can you explain how crowdfunding has helped your organization for people listening out there? Well, I can tell you that crowdfunding is something that I'm really not familiar with. I'm, I'm on, the, on, on the other side of 50, and so people my generation don't really do a whole lot with the Internet. But fortunately, my daughter, who is on our board, and my son-in-law uh, have taken an active role in developing this. It is really amazing how things are able to develop these days. Uh, it's very confusing to me. Somebody else sets it up, but Facebook and PayPal – uh, are, are really tremendous in terms of the ability for people all over the country to be able to contribute to your cause. We actually had one organized crowdfunding uh, activity, and, and that worked pretty well. It was relatively straightforward. Once again, I had nothing to do with it, but somebody set it up. People just called in or mailed in, and we made, you know, I, I think we, we, we made somewhere between five and $10,000 very easily. Uh, I think that, that it's clear that social media plays a huge part in fundraising these days. And it's essential that any organization that is involved in fundraising have someone on their, on their team who is experienced with how to access this information and how to utilize it properly. Uh, we're just starting, so we're really in the infancy of doing it, but I can tell you that it's amazing the, how, how much money you can generate through the various activities and social media that are out there. Yes, and what's nice about your um, the crowdfunding is for the foundation, and the foundation is what allows you to um, n- have enough money to go out and to help start these different charter groups. Yes, well, the way we set our program up is that uh, once someone contacts me, we talk and see if there's a good fit, and our process is very straightforward. Uh, the visits that we make the first year are all at the expense of our foundation. Our foundation uh, funds all of that. So when we come out to the site six times, the, six times over the course of the four months, all of that is borne by the foundation. We do our own fundraising for that, and we also have uh, donors and corporate sponsors. Uh, we're just scratching the surface right now. What we've found is that this particular program really 
is one that, that can enhance an organization's ability to fundraise. It hits everybody's heartstrings. Uh, the pictures, the videos are tremendous in terms of what you see. If you go to our website, which is www.penguinproject.org, and go to the media section, you will see a whole host of videos, videos that are not only ours, but uh, others from uh, the replication sites around the country. Uh, they're all pretty much saying the same things. They're talking about how great this program has been for them and for their community. And I think what I love about this program is that it's putting the word community back in community theater. It seems as though those theaters that are interested in being engaged with their community are taking this on relatively easily, and all of them have found it to be successful. The one thing that's important for anyone out there who's associated with the community theater to understand is that this is not something that is necessarily a social program. It actually is something that will generate money for the theater. Every single one of our theaters have made money, some of them expensive amounts of money, from their Penguin Project. So this is not something that you're going to lose money on. This is something that you're actually going to make money on, and it will serve as a great resource for your fundraising efforts. One of our, our, our sites in, in Nebraska said this has just been the greatest thing for his overall theater in terms of the ability to fundraise. He uses the Penguin Project as kind of the, the, the carrot to bring people in to his theater. Well, it's a, there's an amazing need out there for special needs families and in the community. For instance, here in Hillsborough County, we have about 30,000 children this is from kindergarten to 12th grade with special needs in just in the school system, the public school system. So that gives you an idea of how many more individuals are out there with special needs. And it, I think when I look at your awards, I obviously you're doing something amazing. And, and the sets, like just to look at your website, the sets are professionally designed the costumes are amazing. It's the same level of professionalism you would expect at any performance. But two, when I look at your awards, and your award page goes on forever, but you started in 2004. So you've got your, your first Music Theater International Award, what, 2005, and every year you get awards. Sometimes you get more than one award a year. And then I guess you're in 2017 you got the – National Arts and Humanities Youth Program Award. And I think what this says is not only do you have a great program, but there's a need out there. And I think what you're doing, the response, whether it's crowdfunding, whether it's the awards, it's a reflection of a market that's unmet. Do you agree with that? Well, I think there's no question. We, we've, what we recognize is that there are so few opportunities for children with special needs out there to be involved in community activities. And, and we've found that theater especially just is, is such a wonderful venue. Besides the fact that it's so much fun, it offers the children and their families the opportunity to get together and do something fun. They don't have to worry about IEPs, and they don't have to worry about whether their children are going to succeed or not. Their children are going to succeed, and they're going to succeed in ways that most parents never imagined. We've seen this happen over and over again, where, where parents are astounded at what their children can do. We had one young lady whose parents had no idea she could sing, and then one day she volunteered to just 
step in uh, at a rehearsal for one of the leads, and her parents were uh, just amazed at her, at her voice. She went on to be a lead in, in several of our shows, including being the Ariel, the Little Mermaid, in The wow. Little Mermaid. Uh, th- these, are, these kids have untapped talents that are just not recognized. And so what we want to do as a foundation is to encourage as much as possible communities to provide opportunities for children with special needs and then provide the support to make certain that they succeed. Yes. Well, what's interesting with special needs families, it's um, that because the parents have to be involved in what the children are doing or, you know, have to at least drive them there, be involved, it's, um, it is very hard for them, for special needs, for parents of children with special needs to make social connections. And you're always worried about what people are thinking about your children or are your children fitting in. And I'm sure going to one of your performances and just being, oh, just being able to be natural. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, the, the performances are great, but what's more important are the rehearsals. If right. you, we encourage parents to come and watch. And not only are they watching their children, but they're also engaging with the other people. Uh, at every site we've gone, the Penguin Project has become a family-oriented program, and it becomes a home away from home for these children and their families. They have events together. uh, They hang out together. Remember, the program is four months long. So for four months out of the year, the kids and their families are intensively involved in the program. And the parents, for the most part, although they, they do help at home with kids learning lines, when they come to the program, uh, we tell them, you just sit back and, and, and relax and enjoy and watch. Uh, we don't want you to have to worry or get involved in any way other than simply as, uh, a, as, as an observer and enjoy what your children are doing and what other children are doing. Yes, and that makes such a big difference, too, to be able to just share with like-minded people. Well, why don't we break to a commercial and continue this conversation, and let's talk about some of the plays that are produced with the various chapters. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AMA60, The Answer. We are here with Dr. Andy Morgan, the founder of The Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. I'm here with Dr. Andy Morgan, the founder of the Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities. Now, Dr. Andy, we were just talking about that every chapter produces one play a year over a four-month period, correct? That's correct. They produce one Penguin Project play. Many of them are community theaters that have a season from anywhere from six to 12 shows a year. Yes. I think that's wonderful that you 
you just do one a year. And I'll tell you why. I used to belong to an organization. It was called Christmas in April. And we knew that everything was geared for Christmas in April, and we would work on homes and fix them up for people. And I think that's a great way to do a project where you know you have that one thing to do and you get it done well. What's more important for us, and I agree with you, is that it becomes special. It's, it's, if we did it more often, it would become a little bit more commonplace. Right. But by doing one a year, uh, the kids obviously are very sad when it's over, but then right away looking ahead and looking forward to the next year. And they don't have to wait that long, but by keeping it one a year, it, it keeps this program very fresh and very special. Okay, well, why don't we use Nora <laughs> as an example of, because this is your first year to do a Penguin Project play, correct? Correct. Okay, so explain to them what play you're doing and uh, explain that to them. Okay, so we're doing Aladdin Jr., and it goes up in April, April 5th, 6th, and 7th. Um, and all the information's on our website. Um, it's www.newtampaplayers.org. Um, we just started our rehearsals, so... Um, I talked to Dr. Andy in June, and then we announced that we were going to do the Penguin Project in late July and started looking for not only young artists, but also peer mentors. And our informational meetings were in November, and I'll let Dr. Andy talk a little bit about the informational meeting. Okay. Dr. Andy, can you tell us about the informational meeting? Well, the meeting, that meeting is, is basically an introduction to the community. We we set up a time when I'm able to come out and meet with parents and talk to them about the program, uh, explain the, the way the program operates, and basically reassure them that this is going to be a tremendous experience for their children and themselves. Um, that's how we start off all the time. There are usually either one or two informational meetings. I come to one of them, uh, and we usually do that about two weeks or so before we start rehearsals. Okay. And then you'll come out a few more times. Well, I come out, uh, we, we combine uh, the first rehearsal, which I come to, and then what we call mentor boot camp. And that basically is a two-hour session just with the mentors uh, to kind of introduce them to the process and give them some tips about how to be a mentor. What we've learned, though, is that there's just so much you can teach them, they have to learn by doing, because it is such an unusual experience for many children. Uh, what we've learned is that Everybody starts off being a little bit uncertain, but by the time we're into the production, it's amazing how comfortable uh, the mentors are doing what they're supposed to do, assisting their, um, their partners, making sure they're safe, helping them with costumes, helping them with lines. Um, and, and we will come out between the boot camp and the production a couple of times, again, just to observe the process. We want to make sure that relationships are forming properly and we're available by telephone and email continuously to address any issues that come up over the course of the process. Okay, so explain to them what you're discussing at the mentor boot camp. Well, the mentor boot camp, we do several things. We, uh, we use it as an opportunity for the, the mentors to introduce each of themselves. We talk about, we have an exercise that's designed to help them uh, break the ice with a partner in terms of the kinds of things to talk about. Uh, we have, we put them through a maze, blindfolded, so they can learn what it's like to not understand what's happening, but also how to guide someone through a process. 
Uh, we teach them about different disabilities in terms of what it's like to have a disability. And then we teach them different things related to theater about how to position yourself and what to do with your partner on stage. Okay. Now, so the partners are actually on stage with them? Because I'm looking at pictures, and I can't, I can't tell that there are partners with the kids. And that's, that's the best part. The, the fact that this is what people tell us all the time. When they look up on stage, uh, they often can't tell who is the artist and who is the mentor. I mean, there are obviously some individuals who are, who, are, who are visually identifiable, children with Down syndrome and children in wheelchairs. But most of these kids, you can't really tell the difference. And that's the wonderful part about it. On stage, the disabilities disappear. And all you see are abilities. Um, one of my favorite things that happened once was um, one of our longtime patrons was talking to my wife and said, you know, I love the program, but you say that, that all of the leads, all the parts are held by children with, with, spe- with special needs. And that's clearly not so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Well, she doesn't have a problem, and she doesn't have a disability, and she doesn't have a disability. And we say, look at your program. Uh, every single child that has a lead does have some type of special need. It's just that you can't see it on stage. That just disappears, and on stage, they're just children. They're just young people uh, putting on a play and having a good time with their friends. Uh, we encourage families to identify the child's special need in the program. We don't insist. We encourage that. And I encourage it because I want the audience to know exactly what the, what the challenges are that these children are facing so they can see that although they have autism spectrum disorder or ADHD or learning disability or intellectual disability or cerebral palsy, on stage, they're a performer. They're an actor, and they are performing uh, just as you would see any other actor perform. And some of these kids are really incredibly talented in terms of what they can do, not just their singing, but their ability to act. They really have a knack for creating a character and portraying that character. And it's important for parents listening out there not to shortchange their kid, their child, because they don't really know what their child is capable of. We found that parents are often, often underestimate what their kids are capable of. And I don't mean that as a negative. No, They're uh-uh. just always so concerned about providing support for their child that a lot of times they don't recognize that there are some hidden talents there that just need to be brought to the surface. And that's what we do. We're, we, we see ourselves as the catalyst to making this happen and bringing out the best in all the children we work with and all of the adults that we work with. Now, I have to admit to you, when I was looking at the pictures, I couldn't figure out, I didn't realize that there were actually the mentors on stage. I, I was having flashback to the performances of the little kids where the teachers hiding in the curtains doing the dancing thing. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen those, but growing up with the, my kids, the, the teachers would always be hiding, and the little kids are following whatever the teacher's doing, and the teacher's trying to hide. And obviously none of that's happening on your play. Well, here, here it's, it's basically they're, they're independent, and, and what, we, what, what we encourage and, and what happens almost all the time is over the course of that four months, as the individuals become more comfortable with what they're doing, the mentors are needed less and less. And you'll see that as the, the program moves forward, 
you'll see very little prompting occur in most of the programs because these kids have learned all their lines, they know all their blocking, they know their songs, they know their dances, they know where they're supposed to go. And in fact, from my perspective, because I've directed children and adults in, in multiple venues, they're just as capable, if not more capable and cooperative than other casts that I've worked with. Uh, yes, they have challenges, and yes, it can sometimes be interesting as you work with children that have ADHD and autism spectrum disorders, but they really do follow directions well and take direction well, and for the most part, uh, really do a great job of performing not just on stage, but also during the rehearsal process. Yes. Well, why don't we take a break there, and we come back, let's talk to Nora about the Aladdin I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Dr. Andy Morgan, the founder of the Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Dr. Andy Morgan, the founder of the Penguin Project, and Nora Payne, president of the New Tampa Players. The Penguin Project is a unique theater experience dedicated to children with developmental disabilities. Now, you were explaining to me earlier, Nora, that you're doing Aladdin Jr. And, of course, I'm trying to figure out what Aladdin Jr. is. Explain to the audience the different plays that come out for um, production. So Aladdin Jr. is basically a one-hour version of Aladdin. So it has a lot of the songs that you're very familiar with, like Friend Like Me and Prince Ali, but it's an hour long versus the two-hour that the standard Broadway show is. Right. There's also Aladdin Kids, which is the 30-minute version, but we're doing Aladdin Jr. Okay. Someone that's not into theater, who knew? <laughs> that's amazing. And this is true for lots of different productions. They always come out with a junior version and a kid's version. Not usually. I mean, not... Every show does not have a kid's version. Most most of Disney's musicals do have junior versions. Yes, and what's nice is the kids are already familiar with it. They are. I mean, many of our young artists can already sing all of the songs in Aladdin pretty much. Okay, okay. And um, Dr. Andy, do you need volunteers? Yeah, we, we're, we're basically, we're, I hate to say we're over-volunteered. Okay. Um, you can have too many cooks. So uh, we really have uh, quite an extensive team now, um, and uh, we really are, are done in terms of our volunteers. Uh, we certainly can encourage people to participate because there are some things that can happen outside of All the right. production process. Um, but we're really we're 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 a pretty well oiled machine at this point in time. Great, great. And Nora, you were telling me about your volunteers. How many kids do you have involved right now? Right now we have um, about 34 young artists and about 36 peer mentors. 
Okay, and so, what's the maximum you can handle? Right now, we're about at our maximum for because if we got if we went much higher, we would have to double cast and split, which at this point we can't do with the number of rehearsals that we have left. Um, but we still have plenty of space for volunteers. We have ten a ten member production team right. that are at every rehearsal, making sure that everything is happening. But we also have a lot of stuff going on backstage. So all the costumes still need to be made. We still need to make the set and paint the set. Um, all of those types of things we definitely need volunteers to help with. Okay. Now, here's a question. So is there more room in the Hillsborough community? And this show is heard in seven counties. I guess there's still a lot of other people could, that could start charters in this area. Um, yes. I mean, we do want to keep the Penguin Project replication site somewhat distantly separated. And right. next year we can definitely double cast. It's just at this point for this particular show, we can't double okay. cast. So what happens when you double cast? You do two productions? We do two productions, same show, right. two different casts, usually back to back weekends. Um, and we have two different rehearsal processes. So cast A has a re- has their own rehearsal schedule and cast B has their own rehearsal schedule. Okay. And then how does the performance work? So cast A would have their weekend and they would do their three performances and then we would go right back into tech week. So the dress rehearsal week for cast B and cast B would be the next weekend. Okay. And the rehearsals you said were Monday and Thursday nights? They're mon- right now they're Monday and Thursday nights from 7 to 8.15. Um, in the middle of January, we'll add Wednesday nights and in the middle of March, we'll add Tuesday nights. So by the time we get to dress rehearsal week, when we start involving all the lights and the sets and the costumes, we'll be at four days a week. Right. Well, what I like is that your rehearsals are actually short. I mean, they're an hour and 15 minutes, So, it, and there's a lot of them, so it's easy for the children to learn what they need to do, as Dr. Andy was saying earlier. Yes, we definitely want to keep the rehearsals um, short. We also change between what we're doing during the rehearsal so that they have many different things to do. And so what, so what exactly are you changing? So... For example, our music director may teach a song musically, and then we learn the choreography for it. Okay. Or maybe I do a short 20, 20 25 minute blocking session, and then we switch to choreography. And we always do a warm up, warm up song, and we always do a closing song. So they, we're switching between different things. Okay, and the songs are related to Aladdin. Um, our warm up songs really aren't. I found out that they really like um, going on a bear hunt. We did that really? last night. Yes. I they, don't think I know that song. Oh, please don't make me okay, do it on I air. Um, <laughs> but it's basically a story song where you talk about going on a bear hunt and you're going through grass and you're tiptoeing through quicksand and you're jumping down to dive under a beehive and then you okay. do it all backwards as you run away from the bear. Wow. <laughs> but they really, really love that. <laughs> okay. And then what's your closing song? We, um, we've, been doing the, we've been doing Don't um, Stop Believing, which is the Penguin Project theme song. Yes, I saw that on mm-hmm. a video. Oh, and this is important. There are so many videos and news links on the site. Correct, Dr. Andy? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing all that's there. Well, Dr. Andy... Thank you so much for being here. And Nora, thank you so much for being here. Can you please give people your contact information, Dr. Andy? Sure. Uh, I think the best way to contact me is uh, by email. It's amm at penguinproject.org. You could also call me. Uh, my phone number is 309-691-5315. Can you say that one more time? Uh, I'm it- interested in having anybody call that's interested in, in learning more about the replication process. 
If you have questions about the local program, though, please call Nora because she will have specific answers related to the program in Tampa. And what's your contact information, Nora? My contact information is my email is president at newtampaplayers.org. That's president at newtampaplayers.org. My phone number is 443-850-8997. And our um, website is newtampaplayers.org. And there's a tab up on the top right, this labeled Penguin Project, which will give you all the information about Penguin Project. There's still plenty of time to get involved and lots of things to do. Thank you so much for all the great information. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined... Please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer.